Wow, big tangent. What's it like netting as a guy? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to season two of my podcast and episode nine. Uh, we're back with this new season. I've got nine new amazing guests. This whole next season was recorded back in kind of January and February. This week on the episode, um, I have John from the Suffolk Fiber. Uh, John is uh, a really, really nice guy. Um, we got chatting over Instagram. John is a hand dyer. Um, he creates some wonderful, uh, wonderful wool, and you can go and check him out at the Suffolk Fiber. Um, what have we been up to? Haven't been up to tons since the last season. Starting to come out of lockdown now, which is quite nice, and um, I'm starting to come back to work, which is really nice as well. Again, back into the kitchen and back into the cafe. Uh, in this conversation, we talk a little bit about the dyeing process, uh, a bit how how John's doing and his kind of like hopes for his new business that he's starting. Um, I'll be back at the middle with a little update from John because uh, it's been a while since we spoke to him um, and I will be back right at the end uh, with just a little bit more chat. We start the conversation with me asking John how he's doing. Yeah, really good. Um, it's like... It's, I think it just says what you make of it, isn't it? It is, um, yeah. Just doing the thing. Um, really good because I've taken today off um, to to do this, but then also I've I've got um, I've I've got a business thing, um, like a, my own business thing this evening, and um, it's it's been one of those moments where I'm like, one day off is really not sufficient for what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, we went for a, a walk and it's very icy, um, and I did manage to fall over. So that was that was fun. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I knew it was coming as well, and the dog just pulled a little bit too hard, and we was like down a bit of a slope and managed to go. <laughs> Done really well. Like, the past few days when it's been really snowy, I haven't. Neither of us have fallen, but did yeah. Today. yeah. I um I I slept in foot like ice petrifies me and so i'm i'm in i'm in glasgow and um things things can become icy at like the drop of a hat and um there's there's one in my neighborhood i live in a particular neighborhood and everything that i need to go to like the shops and like boots and um kind of all the supermarkets and things no matter what way i go i need to go through this one particular street and I don't understand what it is about this one street, but it, it's, it exists in a universe where grit wasn't invented. And, <laughs> and nobody thinks to do it themselves on the street. And of course, it's like several streets away. So I think the solution is, well, why don't you just go and do it? And I'm like, no, that's like three neighborhoods away. I'm not <laughs> taking grit, three neighborhoods, and just putting it all across this because those people won't do it. I don't know how people live on that street. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know how it happens. It was awful. Like, I hate it. There was one particular evening. It's a street, honestly, it, it, it takes less than 30 seconds to walk along it. It's that short. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was one evening, I was on the phone to a friend at the time, and it, it genuinely took me about 25 minutes to get up this street because it's barely an incline. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not flat. It's like, it's just got that tiny little bit of something. And that's all it takes. And that's all it took, um, I think, two weeks ago. Um feet just it was total like cartoon animation ridiculous like feet 
flew from under me. I basically saw them in front of my face, <laughs> crashed. And then I slid and the street just took me on a journey. I just kept sliding. <laughs> I was like, and whenever that starts happening, you're just like, I just need to, I just need to let this happen. Yeah. And you're like, oh, take me away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's quite funny. I, but I hate it. Ice is terrifying. Like it's, it's the worst. Um, so I'm really yeah. sorry that you found yeah, we're we're happy with the snow. The snow's really fun. The dog loves the snow, but the 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 ice is just. We're at that stage, but now where it's kind of like, been compacted and it's now like, really really slippy. So, yeah. How did you get into dyeing yarn? Into dyeing yarn, um, it was it's something that I've actually been thinking about for a lot longer than than when I started. So I I started October of. 2020 so October of, of last year um I, I think I was I was mentally prepared to start it actually in October of 2019 but um I'm actually I'm, I'm that kind of person that would need to fully visualize it and exactly what all of the beats would be before I would even start it like the, I think the way that um I think it might be an anxiety thing, but I think it's the case that if there's a missing piece, if there's a piece that I've not worked out yet, I think in my mind, it's very much like a circuit. It needs to be complete before it, like this stuff can start going. Um, so actually, I think it was something that's been in the works for a long time, um, which has meant that it's just been in the back of my head for, for I think, over a year at that point. Um I'd kind of already put a business plan together in October of 2019. And um, I think I was very much at the point where I, I could have done a, a, like a professional qualification in, in, in October 2019, or I could have done the dying and really struggled over it and eventually made the decision to go for the professional qualification um, to, for, for, to do with my job. And then everything happened in March and the, the industry completely changed. Um, and, and my opinion of what I would do with that qualification would change. So I wanted to get into mortgages. Um, uh, and, and I was then faced with the idea of, of being in a meeting room with customers and they generally tend to be quite small. And of course, it's members of the public coming in and um, wow, absolutely not. No, no, thank you for me right now. Thanks. Um, and so, you know, there was a couple of months of, of like really struggling over kind of have I failed because I've decided not to do that anymore. Like I enrolled in it um, and, and now all of a sudden I'm kind of having to question whether or not it's viable for me at all. Um, and then I, I, I got paid. I, I got paid for my day job in October and I'd, I just went, you know what? It's, it's been long enough now. Um, I've been thinking about it for long enough. I just need to, I just need to go. And literally within the space of that morning, ordered everything I needed. And I had, I'd happened to have the following two days off work anyway. It all arrived and, and I started to stop it forever. Um, Amazing. Yeah. That's really cool though. You just kind of had this idea. And what, what were you doing before then? If you don't mind me asking. Um, so dystopia fiber is very much the, the kind of the, the hobby, the side project, the, the passion thing that I'm working on. Um, 
my day job, I work in financial services. So, so I work in banking um, and I've been really fortunate enough to, to have transitioned into working from home. Um, so that's really helped with the business as well, just in terms of the amount of time that I've had, like that would have taken like an hour and a half out of my morning and then an hour and a half out of my evening just to get to work and go home. Like that's collectively, and it, it, it's probably even more than that in terms of the mental space that you need to change gears from your job into what you're going to do at home, you know? Um, like when I worked in the office, I had a hard enough time coming home and making dinner, never mind starting and, and curating a business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, um, financial services in the day and all of all of all of this in in the evening um but now I'd, I'd, i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the business all the time that's really cool so do you think are you hoping at some point you'll be able to like just fully pour your energy into this yeah um that that oh yeah that would really be the that that's would the dream. Be the dream um absolutely the dream and i, I think with with how supportive people have been with it over the past couple of months like I've just been blown away um like I say it's it's been something that I've really kind of anxiously analyzed and and thought about before I started and and a lot of that the unpredictable value in that was was the people and and the community but what attracted me to it in the first place was was the community aspect of it like I went to a couple of yarn festivals and I noticed that well, I knew that I was a knitter and I was part of this massive community of knitters. And it's great because you've got immediately something in common that you can talk about whenever, like whenever I meet another crafter, another knitter, someone that does something with fiber in particular, um, immediately you have several questions like, what have you worked on? What do you like working with? What's, you know, what, what bases of yarn, what colors of yarn and so on. Um, but I noticed that there was, kind of a parallel thing happening with the dyers and, and all of the kind of supply uh, like vendors at the festivals I noticed that they they all had their own thing um that was kind of running parallel and I I, I really I really enjoyed the atmosphere um it was Perth Yarn Festival in particular um was was one that i everybody just seemed to be having such a great time um and I think it was at that point, because that was September 2019. So this kind of ties in with, okay, in October 2019, that's when I started to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I say, then a year passed and so much happened in, in that year, as we all know. Um, and at that point then, I'd, I'm, I'm just blown away with how welcoming people have been. Um, it's it's been really wonderful to to have been welcomed in and and I've I've had so many amazing conversations with with other dyers and suppliers in the industry and that was my unpredictable value that was my kind of I I don't know how people are going to react to to what I'm going to put out and like you get that total imposter syndrome what if people hate it what if people you know what if people really don't resonate it um resonate with it and it's it's not been that experience at all it's it's been like it's it's blown me away and so absolutely it is the dream um I would love to do it I would love to be fortunate enough to um to be able to do that for myself so yeah that's really cool I mean this has definitely been a common theme of the podcast is the community aspect of this 
the kind of fiber community is so welcoming, so supportive. If you have any questions or need any help, there's loads of people out there who don't really want anything else in return. They just want to be helpful and, and help out. So hopefully we won't get too much of the dog in the background. She's running around upstairs. Um, yeah, like the community is wonderful. Um, when I see new people starting out their new projects or their new knitting Instagram, I always try and welcome them to the community. And I know that there's a lot of other people that try and do the same as well. Um, and yeah, it's really cool that, I mean, how did you get into knitting? Um, as soon as you mentioned the community around kind of how welcoming people have been, I think that's been an integral part of, of how knitting stuck. I think I had a really long period before starting knitting where I didn't have a hobby. Like I, I struggled with what to do in my spare time and depression really set in as a result of that. Like it's really difficult not to have something to, to occupy what you do in your downtime. It got to the point where really I, I could have said my hobby was, was sleeping. You know, I would, I would come home from work and I would just go to bed. And, and and that would fill the rest of my spare time and I would get up and I would go to work again. Um, it was, I think it was January 2019 that the new year had just come in and it, it wasn't kind of a like hashtag new year, new me kind of thing. But I think we must have been in like week two or three of January of 2019. And truthfully, I don't know what it was that had it come into my mind but there's a I have a local yarn shop um uh the yarn cake and I went to I went in and I bought I, I just I, I went in and I asked I want to start knitting I've never knit before um what do I need and I was given some straight needles and I think some DK weight or iron weight yarn um and the advice was try with that first and if you like that then come back and, and we can talk about more. And they also mentioned that they had a knit night. So they had a knit night on Thursday nights. And um, it was, I think it was that, that was the thing that really meant that this hobby stuck because it wasn't just a, a physical thing to do with my hands. It immediately became a social thing. And that wasn't my intention at all. I, I, I didn't start knitting with the, with the idea of meeting people. Um, and then there's the kind of the stereotype of, you know, the idea that a knit night would be full of, of kind of golden oldies and, and they're all knitting kind of garter stitch scarves. Um, I went to this knit night the once and I genuinely would say my life changed. The, the range of people, the, the conversations that were happening, the, like all the different jobs that they did, it meant that immediately there was conversation. Um, but there was also a lot of history there because people had been going for a long time. So of course all these people knew each other and I'm then new to that group. And it was, it was absolutely that welcoming atmosphere that um, meant that not only was I welcomed into the craft, but um, I was welcomed into a new friend group and, and they're so precious to me. That's amazing. That's so cool. I know that I, like I've, I've knitted uh, on my breaks and stuff when I was working in a cafe um, before lockdown and stuff. And the number of people, like it was quite hard to actually get anything done because the number of people that would come up to me and try and just strike up a conversation of like, not just generally like 
there was a lot of like the older generation that were like coming up and saying, Oh, that's really cool that you're knitting. And, um, but there was a lot of younger people as well who were interested in to finding out or, or saying that their, their nan or something taught them how to knit and they haven't done it. And, um, I like to think that some of those people actually went home and, and thought about it at least. Um, how do you find it being a guy? Do you have like extra people? Go, do you have comments as well of like, oh, you're a guy who knits? Because I get that quite often. But I feel like there's our generation, at least us, there's more of a range of different types of people and guys and girls and everyone is like, yeah, how how do you find it? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'd... How do I find it? Very much that, a lot of that, of, of what you've described. Um, I, I, well, my experience of knitting on my breaks, I imagine has been very different from your experience of knitting in your breaks. So pre-March 2020, I worked in an office um, in the financial industry. So a guy knitting in the break room was a total pariah, like, weird looks people didn't understand it um what are you doing and then actually I was I was told not to um so it was the case that there was a problem with it and they would prefer that I didn't um what, what was it like that so that was what it was like in the office and then in in cafes and things where it's where I would spend a lot of my time knitting so once I started knitting, it got to the point where I wasn't just going home and going to bed and, and sleeping until I got up to work the next day. I would finish work and I would go to one of my favourite cafes and I would just, I would sit in it. Um, and I, I liked that. It wasn't so much that I was doing it to be seen, but I liked, I liked that people were wanting to talk to me as a result. Um, and there were there were people like strangers that, that I've never spoken to before that would approach me and go, "What are you working on? What are you doing?" Um, the big question is always, "Are you doing like is this for sale? Um, is this for sale? I want it." Um, and and I think that's a conversation that's happening a lot at the minute with Bernie's mittens. Um, Bernie's mittens happened, and everybody has then went, "Okay, well, I want those." Um, and that was a big question that I got a lot, like. I, I remember I was knitting a I was knitting a particular shawl at the time, and this and this lady came up to me and was like, "I I want that. Can I buy that off you?" And <laughs> no, <laughs> like it's yeah. my, <laughs> um, thank you. Like I'm I'm thank you so much that that you've seen it and and you want it. Um, but um, it it, it is it is like the knitting is is my special thing, like my hobby. Um. If if you if you want to learn, like I will sit have a seat and I'll and I'll teach you and you can make your own. Um but um wow, big tangent. What's it like knitting as a guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Um I, I do I do kinda wanna um talk a bit about about how your work decided that it wasn't okay. Did did was this like complaints or something? Like how what happened there? Um it's yeah it's it's it is it is what it is i've i've accepted um i've accepted that no it's not for everyone and i think in a in a work environment and i think certainly in particular contexts certainly not 
um, kind of at my desk. Um, you know, it was the case that sometimes we had downtime and, and sometimes um, things weren't as busy. And I think it was the case that um, some colleagues didn't enjoy the idea that others had time to do something else. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think it's just an aspect of... Um, People not quite understanding. It's just an aspect of corporate life, really. Um, yeah, I guess so. And, but I feel like yeah. if you're on your break in a break room, that shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, I, th I, th I think I I wanted it, it. It consumed me, so I wanted to do it all the time. Um, so yeah. yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I um, I kind of wanted. But we had a, a coffee van for my work for a little bit um, because that's how my uh, the place I work started with a little van and I kind of wanted to fill some of those extra times with knitting, but, um, wasn't able to, but like for the reason it's like food hygiene reasons, really, like you can't really have wool and stuff around food, which I was totally fine with, but there's moments when it's really quiet. I'm like, I, I could get half of the hat done here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it, you'll know yourself. It's the thing that, you know how easy it is just to pick it up and put it down and it's it's got to the point now where I know that I could pick it up and still do my work at the same time like it's actually not it's it's not a thing that's going to take my concentration away from what I'm doing actually this is probably what's going to have me sit here and weather out the thing that I'm working on you know what yeah, I mean it can help so, you focus a little bit and like just stop you thinking oh, like overthinking like I, I can't remember who I spoke to but I spoke to someone recently who said the same thing as like if anything it's able to help them focus a little bit better on what they're actually doing yeah. um like once you get into knitting as well like you can just kind of do it unless you're like really having to count stitches for shaping something if you're just like knitting in the round or just knitting a scarf or a hat or something I don't know. I, I, I find it easier to focus on other things. Like I will knit a little bit while I'm editing some of these videos. It can just, and I, I think personally it's a massive aid in terms of, of concentration, in terms of focus, overall happiness. Um, and, and ultimately for me, it, it just means that I've got something to show for my time. Like um, I know that I've got into, I've got into dying at this point and, and that's, that's a completely different kind of set of processes, but like, I have this. Can I show you? I'll show you a project. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. This is this was my lockdown, so like the first like where I think I cast it on. Um, there was a bit of time that passed after the first kind of thing happened, and I think I cast it on like April May time, and this was three weeks of of like solid knitting. Was this? Wow. Um, and so this is this is my kind of sea swell shawl um, by Stephen West. And so it was just like, I'm not going to get it all in, but you can see like, it is huge. I'll put it on. Um, and it kind of, this just characterizes my time. Like I, I, I don't look back on, on last March fondly, but um, it, you know, it's the case that, okay, I've sat down and I've done a thing, you know, um, yeah. I've, I've sat down and <clears throat> while while I might not be able to contribute to 
the the the, the global situation um at least what i i can do is is keep going for right now and 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 i think that's what that's what this is kind of typified was being able just to keep going um yeah and, it's yeah. it's just trying to find a way of getting through the day at the moment like we will get through this it is going to be hard um and there's you know there's there's people who are unfortunately losing people because of this horrible virus but all we can do is trying to keep ourselves sane and like that looks amazing yeah. but let's talk a little bit about the process of dying because i mean the color choices you've got are really nice like you've got a really nice range of colors so what's where did the kind of dying like what's your color palette like that you prefer and stuff yeah so I, I think currently what I'm trying to do is um, I'm trying to work through to get a range of colours currently. So I have just started. Um, I do want to have an appeal for a lot of people. I would like people that like really dark and, and kind of more moody and, and muted colours to to be able to see what I've got and, and find something. But I also want to kind of have that opposite side of I, I want to get into really quite nice washed out kind of more kind of lighter speckles pastels um kind of grays and, and, and whites and all of that so i'm currently in a phase of of growth creatively and in terms of the vision um and so i'm trying to work through some concepts so i i, I think i take a lot of inspiration from narratives so i think dystopic fiber kind of a name of its time I think quite an archaic um use of of, of the word dystopia but um I think I'm going to try and take inspiration from kind of science fiction narratives um a lot of kind of post-apocalyptic stuff um but then also just try and bring in kind of what's happening to me at the time so my first kind of I'm calling it my second big update but like my kind of first update with with a with a purpose with a vision behind it um just took a lot of inspiration from the fact that i was fortunate enough to be able to spend christmas with a friend um normally i would have went home for christmas but i, I couldn't have this year and um so i ended up staying with her and she lives next to the beach and we ended up spending christmas day having a big walk on the beach and um that's where a lot of these colorways have came from i can i've got some i could show you if you if you yeah. want to um, if you want to see, but um, <clears throat> as we walked on the beach, there were there was so much sea glass. Like I actually don't think I've noticed sea glass on a beach before. Um, I don't know if it's something that I wasn't looking for, or um, do we not have sea glass in Northern Ireland? I don't know. Um, but um, wow, that was a really silly thing to say. Um, but <laughs> um, sea glass on the beach is kind of what I wanted to to create. Um, so it's uh, to kind of break it down. There's a bit of a, a beigey, sandy coloured base to it. You can kind of see it happening mm. there. But then over the top, I've kind of put some a, a really light speckling of 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 this really nice kind of what would be a bottle green, but because because I've kind of tried to keep it really kind of wet and and watery in the dye pan, it's it's kind of dissipated a lot and it's kind of spread out amongst the skin. Um, but then I wanted to try and put a bit of a palette together. So I've tried to 
get several different tones of it. So I've, I've made the brown a little bit more prominent as it's gone on. Um, those tones are a bit deeper, but then the green follows in with that as well. Um, so that's kind of, that was my first idea of what I wanted to put across if I was going to do a shop update with that in mind. Um, and then I moved on to some other things that were on the beach at the time. They were really gorgeous um, shells, like blue shells, mussel shells. Um, and I, I created this off the back of it. So um, once again, I just wanted to take everything that was, was in those shells and try and put it in. So there's, there's some brown, there's some brown tones in it, some brown speckles. Um, but then I, I went into kind of like a periwinkle blue purple, um, as well as then those lighter bits of blue. And then I, I'm finding that I love a speckle. I'm a sucker for a speckle. Um, so I've put a little bit of speckling in, um, kind of with the browns and, and with the blues. And that's kind of where I got that. Um, and then it just so happened that I'd already had a colorway that, um, went with the went with the vibe of it fresh water which is what I kind of restocked what well, I'm going to restock for this for this update it happens in a couple of days um and that's actually what this is knit out of so this is my own this is my own hand dyed yarn that, that I'm wearing which was really gratifying to to kind of have a finished object that um sorry I ramble don't I keep talking no no it? honestly fine like uh it's really fascinating like and your jumper looks awesome like and I, I guessed it was some of your own yarn from looking at the images of the color coloration that you've done um and it looks great did you work from the top down or yeah so <clears throat> a lot of knitters will um know if, if i say the love note pattern um that's what that's what this is this is this is a love note um, the love note is characterized by um, a lovely lace panel, a lace section just here. Um, so it's a top down. Um, there's a good bit of lace that people find really engaging. And then really it's, it's, it's just, it's just such a simple, um, such a simple jumper to put together uh, by tin can nets. That's the love note. Um, I personally didn't feel like the lace would have suited the things that I like to wear. Um, so I just cut it out and I, I just, I, it was, it was a small modification. All it meant was I just, I continued to follow the pattern. I just didn't do the lacy bits, um, counted the rows. I knew how many rows were going to happen. And so, so long as all the increases happened and all of the, all of the knitting evens out. So, um, this is, this is the second love note I've knit actually. Um, but it's the first one that I've done in my own yarn and it won't be the last. It's, it's a great pattern. That's really cool. It's something that I am determined to try and do this year is trying to do a knit kind of down because I either do it in panels or I've tried doing it from the bottom up because um, I, I just kind of want to experiment a little bit more. And I've typically, when I started knitting, I was way more into like thicker yarns, but I'm definitely starting to to work and kind of want to try thinner yarns now just because I kind of want a project to last a little bit longer before I kind of wanted them to like, I wanted to see results really quickly. Um, but yeah, now I feel like I kind of would like to spend a little bit more time on a project to make it last a little bit more. And I think one of the ways is using thinner wool because I'm definitely getting quicker with my knitting as well. So. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> one, 
one way that I take yarn sometimes and put them together in a way that might help them last longer, sometimes I hold things double. Um, so for example, if you've got two fingering weight yarns, which are quite a fine yarn and, and there would be a lot of work in finishing a project in a fingering weight yarn, depending on what it was. Um, I happened to have a four ply fingering weight yarn and I had a singles base of a, of a fingering weight yarn. Um, singles terrifies me like <laughs> because it's not plied it, it there is that opportunity for it to begin to unravel and, and come apart um mm -hmm. you can also just pull on a single strand and and with enough force it will come apart so to be fair you could do that for for a, a four ply as well but um actually what i did was i held i held a singles double with a four ply fingering weight and I made this, I made this hat. Um, so it's the Oslo hat. Um, because it's two four plies held together, um, two fingering weights held together, it, it nets up quicker as well. So mm -hmm. you kind of, there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to holding it double. Um, I'm not as anxious about the, the singles falling apart and it was a lot quicker to knit up. Um, I think I, I think I did this in, in like, it was it was about two weeks but I didn't knit on it constantly um contrast to that there's this hat that I've knit which is just in a thing in a fingering on its own um you can you can see already with the kind of ripples in the fabric that it's it, it is a lot kind of drapier it's a lot more um it's it's a lot more floppy like this like I can if I want to hold it shape a little bit more I could I could stand up on my own and, and be an absolute gnome, um, <laughs> but um, because of the nature of that, because I'm holding two things together, it's giving it it's giving it a lot more structure. Um, whereas if I take that off um, and I put this on, I've I've decided that and oh look, it's going to make me to be an absolute fool. Like that standing <laughs> up as well. Um, disregard everything that I've just said. Um, and <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it made sense in my head. Um, I've I've made a fool of myself. Thank you for your time. Um, I will see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the dyeing process. Like, how do you, how do you, like, how many batches do you do of a wool at a time, and like, what's the process? Yeah. So currently, um, what I'm finding is I don't know how other people die. Um, I, I can't be with them in person. And um, while I do ask other dyers a lot of questions about their process, actually I'd, I'd, I've, I've not touched on that specifically because I'd, I know that I can at least get the results. So um, I'm currently dying between two and three skeins at a time. Um, but then that doesn't then mean that it's two and three skeins like in a session, it would be the case that I would dye two or three and then another two or three and then another two or three. Um, I only have one hoplet and, and one pan. So it is very humble beginnings. Um, uh, the, the hope would be, would be to have several on the go. Um, but I also find that a lot of my technique involves a lot of dipping. So it involves a lot of, like they actually have to be in my hands and, and, I'm, and I'm dipping them in and applying all of this stuff. So um, I know that a lot of other dyers that they, they do lay all of the skeins out in their pans so it means mm -hmm. that they can have like 10 pans on the go 
put all the yarn in and, and have it all kind of sitting ready to go and then they just apply the stuff on the top um I, I think that's that's probably where my processes are going to have to develop and um become a bit more scalable because currently um i'm sanding over one dye pan kind of dipping it in and and, and and over and over again so i only have two hands i would love to have 10 um but i, yeah. I think i'm gonna need to adjust in other ways so I mean, hopefully one day you'll be able to scale up when the demand comes more and more. So, yeah. What kind of dyes are you using? Are you using, because I mean, you've got some really bright colours, so I can't imagine they're all natural or are they kind of natural? I've um, I've not used any natural dyes yet. Um, it was something that I was interested in before I started. Um, and it, it, it is something that I would like to get into, uh, specifically avocados. I, I love the colour that, that people can get from avocado and... I also acknowledge that there's a lot of skill in that. I, I think it's 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 a labour of love, um, and it's something that that technically I, th I think you need to know how to get right. So, um, I've not personally done natural dyes yet. I'm currently using acid dyes, so um, it would be citric acid and uh, acids, uh, kind of acid reactive uh, dyes. So, kind of the powdered stuff that you can apply as a powder, or you can apply. Um, having mixed it up into into solutions so that it's ready to to go that's cool i mean yeah i mean i'm very interested in some of the colors um because yeah like i said i would love to knit a jumper a bit like what you've got at the moment i uh, hope you all enjoying the podcast so far here's john with a little update of what he's been doing since we recorded that episode Hi Tom, it's John. I just thought I'd get in touch since it's been a little while uh, since we had our last conversation. A couple of months have passed and I just wanted to, to, to just give you a quick update in terms of what I've been up to. Um, I'm wearing my latest finished object. Um, this is the pink velvet sweater um, by Andrea Maury, Um and I've knit it in some of my own yarn. Um, and so these these are available in my shop um, and it's got some lovely colour work and it's got some lovely mohair there so you can see the uh, the kind of fluff, the, the kind of halo that it's got. I'm really pleased with it. Um, it's a project that I've been working on for the last uh, for the last month or two. Um, I've had the opportunity now to vend at several festivals, um, so Yarncraft Virtual Festival and um, Indie Untangled's first virtual uh, they call it Across the Pond um, and so that's been really good. Um, it's been a great opportunity to um, reach some new people, uh, certainly reach people um, in, in, in America uh, specifically with, with Indian Tangled which was really good. Um, I'm really excited to vend at Yorkshire Yarn Fest. Um, I think as this goes up I'll be vending at Yorkshire Yarn Fest tomorrow um, uh, and that's also on Instagram. Um, I'll be I'll be launching a, a new collection based on the Wizard of Oz. Um, I thought it would be it would be really nice to have some brighter colours um, for the spring and summer months uh, based on based on a really fun uh, kind of franchise and film. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited to launch that. Um, thank you so much again for having a chat with me. Um, I hope all's well with you, um, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Bye bye. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this video uh, and share it with other people as well. We joined the conversation with me asking John what his favourite project has been. I've got, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably this. Um, so this is another Stephen West pattern. Um, it's 
he calls it his parallelogram um, because it's it's a parallelogram and sheep and well well done Stephen. Um, <laughs> but I had I, I like to say sometimes whenever I get a project in mind that I have a vision for it and the vision that I had for this was kind of certainly back in back in kind of 90s pre-90s tv live tv if something went wrong they would have that kind of technical difficulties card that would come up um with the kind of six kind of really bright kind of neon tones and and then some blacks and whites and it's kind of like the test card um i wanted to 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 use this pattern and recreate that and so this was before i was dying yarn and um scarred the internet for all sorts of neon colors and then I had a couple of different blacks and whites and then well I'll, I'll just show you so um it's I've split it into two halves you're supposed to just use seven colors the whole way around um but I split the shawl up into into two halves so that I could get a really kind of a really high contrast so the first half is it looks like this um nice. and this is this is the kind of darker side of it um mm -hmm. i finished it with a stripey eye cord banged off as well um oh wow it's certainly on we would call it utv in in northern Ireland, but on like itv channel three they used to have like the little flickies that would happen right before the adverts at the top mm -hmm. is that a thing in kind of in england i, I don't know um but um it's it's like my reminder of okay an advert's about to come it's like a total tv nerdy but this is the one half and then the other half um is where all the neons happened um so that's where the other half has happened um so that's that and then all together you kind of get that real split down the middle in between um i would say this is my favorite project it's the project that i spent the most time planning um it's i think it's the biggest shawl i've ever done and um, to kind of to put it on, um, it means that you're getting both of those at this, like both sides of it at the same time. Um, and it means that I can, <coughs> excuse me, it means that I can present all of the grey bits on a day if I'm feeling like I want to have all the grey come out. But then it also means that I can like flip it out and I can have all of the kind of neons happen all the time as well. So and then you've got the kind of the, I love the stripey eye cord. That's so cool. The problem that I have with projects when I'm making them is my favorite aspects of them are always the bits that I have to do at the very end. Um, and of course the, the eye cord bind off is the last bit. Um, it was agony to get to this point because I think my vision really relied on this, the stripeys working. So mm. to have to put so much work into something before you actually get to the part that you think is going to be the best bit, not knowing that if it's going to work or not. Um, I think it did. I'm so pleased with it. So favorite project, ta-da. Um, it looks amazing. And like, after you saying that it's like the like test card thing. Yeah, I get it completely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's, it was, it was my baby for, for a long time. And then I finally burned it off and, it was one of those it was one of those moments where you were just like i never want to to stripe anything ever again because <laughs> um, i think it ended up being like oh, like 1500 stitches of i cord bound off um, wow it was it was a lot 
Um, but before that, actually, my really precious project was was the sea swell. Um, I think I find, and I wonder if you might feel similarly, the projects that I do, I, I, I really get a, a really distinct memory of, of what I was doing in and around that time whenever I was knitting it. Um, so I'll, I'll wear a project or I'll think of, of, of a particular project that I've finished and actually it'll be the memories of what's happened in and around that time in my life that that come to me about it. Um, and I don't yeah. know if you feel that way. Yeah, I, uh, occasionally there'll be a project that I've been working on who, that is... I do have strong memory ties with, I mean, like my hats, for example, that I started doing, I have kind of now fond memories of trying to knit as many as I can for markets that like for my first actual market that I did, which was really fun. Um, and then I have like the first hats that I designed, which um, were really fun to do as well. That just bring me back to back when I was starting to knit yeah what's your experience of vending um in markets been is is that something that you've you've been able to do kind of pre-covid in person or has it been kind of it's kind of after all of that yeah so pre-covid uh i was able to do two christmas markets um at a museum and gallery um local to us and that was really fun i mean i'm like i've worked in hospitality for all my working life so i quite like talking engaging with people um the first time I did it, pretty much every stand that was around me were just sitting down and a bit quiet and a bit shy. And the other side of the hall, there was a lot of people who were a bit more like me, who were a bit more outgoing. So it was kind of nice that in a way that the people walking past my stall weren't getting bombarded with everyone else trying to like talk to them. It was just me on this side. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I sold quite well during that one. And then this kind of last Christmas I was meant to do a, like a Christmas market, which ended up being an online market, which didn't work for me at all, unfortunately, but mm. hopefully when, hopefully next year I'll be able to do more markets again. Yeah. For, for me, I think it's the, the community element and just talking to people about it. And it's not necessarily like, I'm not doing my knitting and stuff as like a main income or anything. It's just, a hobby if i can sell some bits to help fund the hobby that's like a little bonus for me really yeah absolutely. yeah um and i think being being such a new business i've not had that experience yet at all um so i i i just i think you've just been so fortunate to to, to have actually met people in person um just because I've, I've not had that i've not had that chance yet um that'll come um it's it absolutely I think will that's a that's a good segue into um when we're recording this in january near the end of january yeah near the end of january um but when this comes out you will be doing uh, a market yeah what, a, a um, festival is it a festival a festival yeah yarn festival it will be online um so it's 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 not in person but i have i've just had it confirmed that I've been accepted into Yorkshire Yarn Fest for April, um, which has has been. Uh, uh, whenever I kind of drew out plans for for this year for twenty twenty one, vending at the festival, whether in person or online, was 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 going to be a massive part of that. Um, it, there are so many dyers that I that I 
absolutely adore and, re and respect in terms of the work that they've put out and the communities that they've built themselves and to to, to be included in in a festival alongside some of these amazing people um is it's it will be a, a, just a, a I just, I'm so pleased. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm pleased and, and I'm relieved as well because I, I think it's it's really validating that um, I, I I can be put alongside these people um, kind of being such a new business. Um, although not so new, I suppose, in, in April. Um, I'll have been around for a couple more months at that point. I'll be old and wizened. <laughs> um, no, absolutely not. But um, I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I, I have so many big ideas for it. Um, it's the case that I, this is like this is only my second shop update that I'm preparing just now, and by then I'll I'll maybe have four or five six under my belt, and um, at that point I think I'll have got the range, I'll have developed the full range of of colours for 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 those people like I mentioned that like the light ones or the dark ones. Um, at that point, I think I'm going to try and really put a concept across. So, kind of with that kind of what I call my technical difficulty show. There was a real idea behind that. I, I think I want to bring that in to what I'm dyeing as well as as what I'm knitting. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. And oh, it's going to be so good. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll be trying to check you out online, and I I, I wish you all the best for the the festival. Um, and I I can't wait to see your your company grow. And I'm I'm hoping at some point you'll be able to have this as your full-time income and you know hopefully it'll make you nice and happy mm -hmm. thank you so much um and what about you with with the content that you're putting out on youtube i i what i've really resonated with is it's it's a really chill vibe that you're putting across and and that's that's what i really enjoyed and that's that's why i asked to to speak with you in the first place was because I, I really enjoyed the the kind of production value to it. Do, do you have a particular vision or, or a plan to, to what you're doing on, on, on YouTube or Instagram? Uh, thank you. Um, I don't really have a vision. I just figured, I mean, I love filming and editing. Um, I grew up around the kind of music industry. Um, my dad has been in bands all my life um, and I studied music tech at college and university um so I, I quite like producing stuff and i've kind of always been into like a little bit of photography a little bit of like videography but i've never really studied like film and stuff like that but um just during lockdown i just figured well, why not try and vlog a little bit i mean editing takes a long long time for like this podcast episode um average is about two to three days of editing um, I mean, that's in between of like looking after the dog, making lunch and dinners and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I, but at the same time, I, I love working in catering and I love making coffee. I love making food. So I've, I'm just trying to really enjoy this time that I've got to work on different hobbies and make content for people at the moment. Yeah. I think my, my main aim is just to help inspire people. If that's inspire someone to make a better cup of coffee at home or to try knitting or I'm working on a, a YouTube series with the Herbert Art Gallery um, called Historic Cooking. Yeah, I mean, my, my whole aim is just to try and help inspire people to try something out. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, and I, I, th- I think it really comes across, like, even just with, with you know, we're recording this a lot earlier than, than when it's coming out. So, so much more content will be available at this point. I think a whole season before me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, even just with the stuff that you've put out already, I, I, that's what I was attracted to. So um, it's, it's clearly, you know, it's clearly working. Um, Thank you. That's um that's really cool and I it's, it's it's just a shame that I think we're inhibited in the way that we are at the minute um and um but although I I think we are working with what we have and and we're making the most of of the opportunity that we have at this moment with all of the time that we have so yeah. um I, I think to to be grateful for that I suppose is is a big thing um I sure. I think I would, I would have no idea what I would what I would be doing at this point. I think it's really difficult to, to visualise what, what, what would have happened, but I suppose I, I don't really think that's healthy at this point either. Um, yeah. I but, think, um, for example, like I, if I did have the idea of doing the podcast and I did have a bit of time, if like lockdown and stuff wasn't happening, I probably would have been able to maybe go as far as London because the commute to London isn't too bad from Coventry. Um but if it wasn't the fact that like Zoom is like a massive thing and and we're all kind of like stuck in this kind of limbo, um, I wouldn't have been able to talk to you. I wouldn't have been able to talk to uh, a few people from Canada. I've got people in America that I'm like in line to talk to. And if I can work out the time difference, there's people in Australia and stuff. It's It's been able to open, well, give me the chance to do this podcast and talk to amazing people like yourself that yeah. give me the chance to talk to a whole range of people that... I would never have had the opportunity to actually talk to virtual face to face. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's absolutely the experience that I've had um, is that if you've ever thought about sending someone a message, do it now. They, they, everybody at this moment in time has more time available for, for other people kind of no matter what um, it's everybody's schedules have changed everything is is unpredictable at the moment and it's the case that i've i, I feel exactly the same i've messaged people that, that otherwise i wouldn't have and it's exactly the same it's it's not just been people that have been based in the uk i've, I've spoken to people also in canada and america and and australia and that I, I i know for a fact that that wouldn't have happened um if 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 we weren't in the situation that we were in and i think in terms of overall receptiveness um I think it's it's the case that it's really just opened up that possibility of of communication in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise and with people that we wouldn't have otherwise. And so I, I think it's a real like I'm, I'm sometimes I feel conflicted about about saying that, you know, there's been benefits to it because it, it really doesn't take away from the gravity of 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 the severity that that's happened. Um mm. And so I, I think there's there's a real kind of survivor's guilt that people talk about sometimes whenever they go through like a real traumatic experience, which I think is what we're all going through. Yeah. Um, but in terms of in terms of something I'm really grateful for, it's it's been that communication channel that's opened um, that that people have have just taken it and, and ran with it and went, okay, I'm I'm in this boat. So many other people are in this boat of the people that we would have been doing business with maybe aren't available anymore or those venues aren't available. 
let's just see what other platforms are available. Um, and, and that's, and that's what we're using right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the world is ever really going to be back to where it was, but I'm hoping that all of us, we can kind of shape the world to a bit more how we want it to be. Cause I think we were all kind of just going with the flow and that was, that was how the world worked. And I think this, I mean, this has been a global change and I'm hoping that like more people will be able to work a little bit more from home and be able to spend more time with their family. And I mean, I think we're all going to appreciate actually being able to see family again mm. um, and loved ones and friends and, and everyone really. So I think I'm, I'm hoping that we can, we can kind of shape the world in the future a bit more how we want it to be and not how it has been in the past. Yeah, absolutely. People talk about going back to normal. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go and do this when we're back to normal. Or I'm going to go and when we're back to normal, I'm going to go out and I'm going to achieve all of those things. I, I, I think a more productive perspective that, that I'm trying to take is actually let's learn from the experience that we've had. And rather than going back to normal, let's, continue to, to move forward you know why go back that's backwards i really hope you enjoyed this episode thank you very much uh, to john for talking to me um if you would like to see more about john and his uh, instagram uh, go and check him out at dystopic fiber um on instagram uh, don't forget to like and subscribe uh, to this podcast uh, or follow me wherever you're kind of watching this from. Um, it really helps. Um, and also please share it as well, because the idea of the podcast is to try and help um, help more people feel creative and uh, try a new hobby. Now that we're coming out of lockdown, we kind of still need to work on our mental health um, because it is still, still hard out there. So um, yeah, please share i'll be back next friday with another episode uh thank you all again for watching or listening to this and uh, i hope you have a great week